0: If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and get it out and go back to where our scripture reading came from this morning in Luke, the 13th chapter. Please make your way there. kind of Just park yourself there today. That's where the majority of our study is going to be. As you turn there and get ready to study this morning, let me just say how wonderful it is to see my favorite people on the planet. And that is God's people, particularly God's people here in this place. It's been a wonderful day. It's been a wonderful day of worship so far And I'm just so thankful that we are together to give praise to our Heavenly Father. We're in Luke, the 13th chapter this morning. We're going to be reading from Luke, the 13th chapter, and our Bible reading this week. But if you recall, we actually started studying from this chapter a few weeks ago. If you recall, about three weeks ago, I stood in this pulpit and I preached a lesson entitled, Why Does God Allow Us to Suffer? For those of you who were here about three weeks ago, do you by any chance remember that sermon? Remember in that sermon we considered how while suffering is painful and excruciating and even very traumatic at times sometimes our God will allow us to go through it and experience it to make us us better, to refine us, to equip us to be able to help other people who are dealing with similar problems in the future, to reveal his glory through us as we remain faithful to him and as we continue to trust him even while suffering And to keep us focused, to keep us focused on heaven, to keep us focused on the prize, to keep us focused on trying to get to that place where there is no suffering. Remember, in that sermon, we considered how God can actually have good purposes for our suffering. But here's another question for us to consider, and that is, how should we respond to suffering? What should we do about suffering? What does God ultimately want suffering to lead us to do when we experience it and when we even witness other people experiencing it? Well, I want to suggest that Jesus the Christ actually gives us an answer to that question right here in Luke the 13th chapter, beginning with verse number 1. In Luke the 13th chapter and in verse number 1, The Bible says that on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in saloon fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in jerusalem i tell you no but unless you repent you will all likewise perish i want you to notice a few very important observations from this very interesting text that we find here in luke's gospel first i want you to notice how in verse number one in verse number one we find some people coming to jesus We find some people approaching the Lord, and they tell him about something awful. They they tell him about something tragic. They tell him about a tragic event where an evil man murdered some innocent people. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, the same Pontius Pilate who handed Jesus over to be crucified, he actually murdered some Galileans who were worshiping and he mixed their blood. He mixed their blood with their sacrifices. He did some horrible and just awful things to these people. And these people who come to Jesus, they want to know why did that happen? Why did that happen to those people? Why did God allow that to happen to those people? We know that that is essentially what they're asking Jesus because notice how Jesus responds in the text. Notice how in verse number two, Jesus responds to their information by essentially telling them, hey, if you're insinuating, if you're insinuating that these Galileans were allowed to be murdered by Pilate because they were greater sinners than all the other Galileans, well, let me tell you something, you're wrong about that. You're just dead wrong about that. Pilate's evil actions towards those people had nothing to do with them being wicked and terrible sinners, and neither did what happened to the people who had a tower fall on them. You see, the people who had the Tower of Saloon fall on them. They did not experience that because they were worse sinners than all the other people in Jerusalem. They did not experience that suffering because God was trying to punish them for being wicked and horrible and bad sinners. You see, while people sometimes suffer because of their own foolish and wicked choices, often it is the case that people suffer in this life because, well, because they have to live in this life. Because they have to live in a fallen and a broken world, a world that is not safe. And it is full of sin and pain and uncertainty. That is why these people suffered in the time of Jesus. And that's also why people Unfortunately, suffer even in our time today. The question, though, is again, how should we respond to that? How should we respond to suffering? How should we respond to the suffering that exists in a very unsafe, unpredictable, and fallen world? Where, according to what Jesus says in verse 3, And according to what Jesus says in verse number five, the proper response to the suffering that exists in our world is repentance. Jesus says in verse three, unless you repent, you will perish. In verse number five, he says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Please, brothers and sisters, please don't miss what Jesus is doing there in those verses. Please don't don't miss the teaching technique that Jesus is using there in those verses. Please notice carefully how in both of those verses, Jesus is taking full control over this conversation. Jesus is actually redirecting this conversation. Jesus is actually redirecting this conversation from being about suffering and the various reasons we could give as to why people suffer to being about what really matters in life. You see, above having discussions about suffering and the various causes of suffering, Jesus says what is far more important is repentance. Repentance. Jesus tells these people, instead of coming to me, insinuating the various reasons why you believe the people in Galilee suffered, what you need to be making sure you do is you need to be making sure you repent. You need to be making sure that you turn away from your sins. You need to be making sure that you have a change of mind towards sin. That leads to godly sorrow in your hearts and then ultimately leads you to doing righteous things in your life. Here, Jesus, one of these people to know and to understand that repentance is far more important than having discussions about suffering. And it is far more important, number one, because we are all sinners. We are all sinners. I am a sinner. You, you are a sinner. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, the apostle Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In chapter 6 and verse 3 of Romans, Paul adds to that by saying that the wages of sin is death, that is spiritual death, eternal separation from God. I know that most of you are very familiar with, with both of those passages, but it is interesting how Jesus actually preached that first. Jesus actually preached that first right here in Luke chapter 13 when he told the people, unless you repent, you, you, you back there and you back there, not just the person beside you. Not just the person to the right of you or to the left of you, not just the person in front of you or behind you. Jesus said, unless you, you repent, you will perish. There in those verses, Jesus is telling us that sin is a universal problem and so are its consequences. Jesus says, You, you, my friend, are a sinner. I am a sinner. We, all of us of an accountable age, we are sinners and that leads us to perishing. Paul uses similar language in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 when he says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. When Paul used the word perishing, when Jesus used the word perishing here, they're talking about spiritual perishing. They're they're talking about being eternally lost and separated from God. They're talking about being in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and darkness and pain. And the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. They're talking about being lost in hell. They're talking about us losing our souls in that place where the devil is and his angels. That is the consequence of being a sinner. And again, my friend, you... You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We're all sinners. The Galileans, the Galileans were sinners. Well, while the Galileans did not ex- suffer, did not experience that that terrible suffering by the hands of Pilate because they were worse sinners than all the other people of Galilee, they still were sinners. They still were people who had violated the law of a holy God, and the same could also be said about those people who had the Tower of Siloam fall on them. While those people did not experience that because they were worse sinners than all the other people in Jerusalem, they still were sinners. They still were people who had violated the law of a holy God. The Galileans who were killed by Pilate—they were sinners. The people of Jerusalem who had a tower fall on them, they were sinners. You see, one of the key things that the Lord is trying to emphasize here is while people don't always suffer physical consequences because of their sins, they still are sinners. They still are sinners against a holy God, and if they don't repent or turn away from their sins, they will perish. They will spiritually perish They will be lost. That truth applied to the Galileans. And that truth applied to the people of Jerusalem who had a tower fall on them. And that truth also applied to other people in the Bible that we can read about suffering. That truth applied to Job. That truth applied to the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That truth applied to the apostles. That truth applied to the Old Testament prophets. That truth even applies to people who suffer across the globe today. That truth applies to the people suffering in Ukraine right now. That truth applies to people who experienced a horrible act of violence on a subway in New York a few weeks ago. That truth applies to people who experience hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and wildfires. That truth even applies to the people who today are gonna be in car accidents across the United States of America, with the obvious exception being the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Every person in the Bible, every person in Phoenix, every person in Arizona, in the United States and across the globe is a sinner. And the consequence of dying as a sinner are far worse than dying at the hands of Pilate or dying at the hands of a tower falling on you. Dying a sinner leads to eternal suffering. And that is why Jesus says repentance is so important. That is why Jesus says repentance is absolutely necessary. That is why John the Baptist came onto the scene, preaching to the people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 told the people, therefore, repent and return so that your sins will be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come. This is why Paul, when he went to Athens, He told those unbelieving people in Acts 17 and verse 30, God now declares, God now declares that men everywhere, that men everywhere repent. That is why Jesus, when talking to his own people in the seven churches of Asia, remember, five of those churches were rebuked by Jesus. They were not doing things right. And Jesus told those those churches, five of those seven churches, he said, the solution to your problem is to repent. You need to repent, Jesus says, and you need to clean up your act, or I will put out, I will put out, your li- put out your light. Repentance. Listen carefully. Repentance is one of the main messages that's found being announced by God in the Bible. It is one of the main messages announced by the prophets, by the apostles, and by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The question, though, is. Is it it being emphasized by us? As we go out into our world, into our community, trying to reach lost souls with the gospel, are we emphasizing repentance? In addition, in addition to emphasizing the need to have faith in Jesus Christ. In addition to emphasizing the need to confess the name of Jesus Christ, in addition to emphasizing the need to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sins, in addition to emphasizing those things that we need to be emphasizing, are we also equally emphasizing the need for repentance? Are we also equally emphasizing what Jesus emphasized here in luke chapter 13. i submit my friends that if we are not equally emphasizing repentance to the lost people we're trying to reach we are not preaching the gospel we are not preaching the gospel the way jesus preached the gospel we're not preaching the gospel the way peter preached the gospel i know you know the text i know you know it but we gotta look at it with fresh eyes right now in acts chapter 2. Remember in Acts 2, after Peter preached that powerful sermon to all those Jews on Pentecost, he told them in verse 36 that Jesus was the Lord, He was the Christ, and they had killed Him. And then in verse 37, they said, what shall we do? They want to know what to do to be saved. And in verse 38, what did Peter tell them? In verse 38 of Acts 2, Peter said, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, as members of the Lord's church, as members of the church of Christ, we don't have a problem emphasizing to people the need for baptism, right? We'll talk about that all day long with people. We have no problem emphasizing the need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins if you want to be saved. And we need to emphasize that don't you misunderstand me we need to emphasize the need for baptism for remission of sins but notice how that's not all Peter preached there Peter didn't just say well just get baptized and it's all good no before baptism what did Peter say he said you need to repent you need to repent and you need to be baptized notice how repentance is a prerequisite for Bible baptism we must repent before baptism. We must tell people to repent before getting baptized. I submit that repentance, repentance, that is much more difficult to do than get baptized. Repentance is much more difficult to do than let somebody dunk you in some water. Let somebody dunk you in some water or immerse you in water, that only takes a few seconds. But repentance? Oh my goodness, that that requires a change of lifestyle. Baptism is easy. Repentance is hard. Turn away from sin is hard. Turn away from drinking is hard. Turn away from pornography, that's hard. Turn away from drugs is hard. Turn away from fornication and gossip and lying and coveting and bitterness and jealousy. That stuff is hard repentance may be the most difficult step and God's plan to clean us up spiritually but Jesus says it must be done the Bible says it must be done before baptism and if we sin after baptism guess what we got to do it again we got to do it every time we sin against God Jesus says repentance is important because we are sinners and being a sinner is far more serious than suffering. Being a sinner is far more serious than physical, physically suffering. Going back to this text in Luke 13, I want you to appreciate this with me. I want you to notice how in Luke 13, when these people come to Jesus, what are they focusing on? Well, they're focusing on the physical. Do you see that? They're focusing on suffering. They're focusing on physical suffering. They want to know why did that happen to the Galileans? Why were they allowed to die at the hands of Pilate? Like we do so often today, these people are engaging in what they believe to be some, from, some, some sophisticated conversation. Some philosophical conversation. They're trying to find an answer to one of the deep questions of life. And Jesus, well, Jesus could have indulged them. Jesus could have accommodated them. Jesus could have said, well, y'all want to know about suffering? You want to know about the cause of suffering? Let me give you a 10-point sermon and some application, and you'll have it all figured out. Jesus could have done that, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't engage in a hypothetical philosophical discussion with them about suffering instead Jesus talks with them about what really matters in the big scheme of life and that's sin Luke 13 and verse 3 I tell you but unless you repent you will all likewise perish Jesus here is saying that above any physical case of suffering that occurs in this life sin Sin is the real problem. Sin is the more serious problem. Sin is the real threat to humanity. Sin is the reason why we live in a broken and fallen world. Sin is the reason why this world we live in is unsafe. And why it's broken and why it's full of so many problems. Sin is the reason why we have hurricanes. And earthquakes and tornadoes and wildfires. Sin is the reason why we have wars and rumors of wars and why we have sickness and pain and death and why there are hospitals and ambulances and prisons and funeral homes. While suffering is not always the direct result of a person's sin. Because of sin, there will be suffering. because of sin in this world, there will be problems. There will be trials. There will be chaos. There will even be the risk of unfair tragedies occurring in our lives. My dear friends, that's the way it's been since the time of Adam and Eve. The question is, do we see that? Do we see it? Do we understand that? Do we really understand the seriousness of sin, or are we like these people Jesus is talking to here in Luke 13? Or are we like the vast majority of people in our society today? Like the vast majority of people in our society today, when we hear of suffering taking place, do we get so caught up in the moment that we fail to see what's really going on? Do we fail to see the seriousness of sin? For example, when we hear of people, innocent people, innocent people being shot and killed in a subway in New York City, when we hear that story on the news, do we merely drop our jaws at that and go, oh, that's why I just want to stay away from New York. I want nothing to do with New York City. Do we just merely say that kind of stuff? Or do we see that tragedy for what it really is, and that is a result of living in a broken world? a fallen world, a world that is ugly and cruel because of sin. When we hear of wars taking place across the globe, maybe even this war right now that's going on between Russia and the Ukraine, do we find ourselves merely getting with our friends and we engage in long conversations about that and we talk about the politics we believe are behind that or do we challenge ourselves to see that conflict for what it truly is And that's the result of living in a fallen world, a broken world, an ugly world where sin has caused so many problems. I submit that when we challenge ourselves, listen to me carefully, when we challenge ourselves to see the sufferings of this life as the result of living in a fallen, broken, ugly world contaminated by sin, it's going to dramatically impact our lives. It is going to dramatically impact how we view the seriousness of sin. It's going to help us avoid talking for hours and hours and hours about the mass shootings we hear on the news, but then with the same mouth gossip about a brother or sister in the church. It's going to help us avoid talking about the tragedies. Attached to countries, being at war with each other, while at the same time being at war with our brethren. Or at war with the people who live in our home. It's going to help us avoid merely being sad when we hear about tornadoes and hurricanes and wildfires impacting people's lives. While at the same time looking at movies and going to websites that are endorsing the very thing that is responsible for that kind of stuff in the world. And that is sin. You see, my friends, as you read this powerful text here over the next few days, as you read it over and over and over again, don't miss the main thing Jesus is emphasizing there. Don't miss the fact that the main thing he's emphasizing in that text is the seriousness of sin. He is telling us that contrary to what we may believe this morning or contrary to what our our society is promoting to us right now, sin is a big deal. It is a big deal to God. It is the reason why there is suffering and brokenness in this world. It is the reason why we physically perish. It is the reason why the vast majority of God's greatest creation is spiritually perishing. It is the reason why we need To repent, we need to repent because we're sinners. And we need to repent because dying in our sins is a far more serious problem than suffering in this life. In fact, let's close with this. how repentance is also important. Because we're going to die. And we don't know when we're going to die. We don't we don't know when we're going to die. In Hebrews chapter nine and verse 27, the Hebrew writer says it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. In Ecclesiastes chapter nine and verse three, Solomon said that one thing we all have in common, righteous and wicked people, is we're all gonna die. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but in Luke 13, this whole text is about death. There's death all through that. The Galileans die at the hands of Pilate. So people die because a tower fell on them in the city of Jerusalem. In both of these cases here, we have people suffering and dying. And Jesus tells these people that instead of trying to figure out why that happened, they needed to repent. They needed to turn away from their sins. They needed to wake up and understand that what happened to those people could also happen to them. they could be killed by someone. They could be crushed instantly by something. They too could pass away suddenly and unexpectedly, and if that happened and they hadn't repented, well, they were going to be lost. They were going to perish. That's the main thing Jesus wants them to understand. That's the main lesson Jesus wanted these people to take away from these awful cases of suffering that they knew about in their lives. Jesus wanted these people to understand that because death is certain and it is often unpredictable, repentance is something that must never be put off. It must not be put off a month, a week, a day, or even an hour. Instead of absorbing their minds in the causes of people's suffering, these people needed to appreciate the fragileness of their lives and how close eternity truly is. They needed to appreciate how they could not control the tragic events that occurred in other people's lives, but they could control their spiritual path. They could repent. They could make sure that they did what was necessary to avoid suffering in the next life. That's what Jesus is trying to get these people to understand and that's what he wants us to understand. Like these people, Jesus wants me to understand and he wants you to understand that no matter what trivial questions we might have about suffering, and no matter what hypothetical Situations we may come up with this morning about the man in the Amazon or the man in the bush in in, in Zimbabwe who hasn't obeyed the gospel. And no matter how much money we have or or how much money we don't have or no matter if we're male or female or married or single or white, black, Indian or Hispanic or even Republican, Democrat, Democrat or independent, no matter what we got going on in our lives or who we are or where we come from. We need to repent. We need to turn away from our sins. We need to make sure that sin is out of our lives because our lives could be cut short. Something tragic could happen to us at any moment. And if we haven't repented, we will perish. We will spiritually perish. That's what Jesus is teaching here. I want to ask you to pray with me about that. Will you pray with me right now, please? Oh, Lord, our God. We bow our heads at this time thanking you for lessons from Jesus. Lessons like what we find here in Luke 13. Lessons that are designed to prepare us for eternity. I pray that we all will take this lesson to heart. I pray that we all will learn very carefully what Jesus is teaching us here about the fragileness of life and how we must always be prepared to stand before you. I want to pray, Father, especially at this time for a family that is very precious to me and to this whole church, the Sheely family, the Sparks family. I want to pray for them, Father, because they are grieving the loss of a great man My dear friend, Brother Dale, we are going to miss him as one of our shepherds, but I want to say, Father, on behalf of your people, that we are thankful that he listened to your son. He listened to Jesus. He lived his life preparing for eternity. He learned the lessons that he needed to learn, and let us be like him. Let us be like your servant. Let us make the most of the the time we have on this earth to make sure we're prepared for eternity like he was prepared for eternity. Let us understand that one of the great benefits of being a Christian is we have hope. We have the hope of heaven. And so bless this wonderful family, people I love so much, and use us to comfort them and and build them up at this time and bless us all father to make sure that we do what it takes what jesus says it takes to be saved in jesus name and amen Amen. two times two times in five verses jesus urges repentance Two times in five verses, Jesus says that one of the ways in which we prepare for eternity is we need to repent. Two times in five verses, Jesus says that while we can't always avoid suffering in this life, we can repent if we're in sin. We can make sure that we avoid suffering in the next life. And so do you need that today? Do you need to repent? If so, then you have an opportunity As we sing this invitation song to do that, if you need to obey the gospel for the first time through faith and repentance and baptism, or if you are a child of God that has strayed away, you don't need to get baptized all over again. What you need to do is repent and ask God to forgive you, and he will forgive you. If We can help you with that at this time. Come to the front. Let's stand. Let's sing together.